But I think finding core meaning mm -hmm. in why you want to do something mm -hmm. and why people should join you to do that, mm -hmm. uh, I think is a skill set that is going to be uh, in a very competitive world in mm -hmm. 10 years from now, is going to be the central uh, tool that you would need to find talent, retain talent, mm -hmm. uh, and to have high performance. Welcome everyone. Today we will be talking with Vikram, who is on a mission to help build 1 million new businesses worldwide. He's the founder of Draper Startup House International, a global chain of startup houses around the world. He's going to accomplish this mission by building a new category in hospitality, a global chain of startup houses which combines micro-communities, micro-campuses and investment houses. Come and join us as we chat about future disruptions and how this will impact the way we lead teams. Vikram, I'm so excited having you at the podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Good. Okay, so let's get to know Vikram. So tell us a bit about your background, a little bit about your story. Yeah, I was born in, uh, in India in a place called Nagaland, which is a, a small uh, state in the northeast of India, which is on the Burmese border. And uh, I went to primary school and high school um, in an international boarding school, which was for monks in, uh, in, in the center of India. And then um, I uh, moved to the US where I worked, studied, and spent most of my adult life. Um, my career was in finance and in banking. I worked at uh, JP Morgan for almost a decade and um, wanted to take a mini retirement and sabbatical. And so there's sort of like only one thing I wanted to do, which was to backpack around the world. And I never had that opportunity to do that when I was younger. Um, so as a adult, I picked up a backpack and went traveling across the world. I started my trip in Argentina and uh, hitchhiked across South America. And what was supposed to be six months of a, sort of a mini retirement sabbatical ended up being two years of me just traveling around the world, uh, visited more than 55 countries. And uh, that led me to moving to Singapore. I met a, a girl while I was traveling. We fell in love. Uh, she was living in Singapore, so I moved here. We're you know, married, almost three kids now. And um, yeah, that's been my journey so far. Wow, what a journey. So tell us about your, I mean, it's very interesting that you took a break. Mm -hmm. uh, and what have you learned about yourself during that journey? Yeah, uh, the, so the two years of traveling were seminal moments in my life because uh, I did things that I really wanted to do, which was to just travel. And um, initially when I started traveling, I had an agenda. And, and the agenda was to quote unquote, find myself or, or see the world. Uh, and I, I was trying to give meaning to my travels to say, I want to discover new things, discover myself. Uh, but the reality is I just wanted to travel. And uh, once I 
started to take the meaning out, or try to put meaning into what I was doing, it became a lot, a lot of fun because I just enjoy just traveling to go see new things, new places, make new friends, eat great food. And once I realized that that's all I really wanted to do, then it became so much fun because I, I stopped putting, trying to like slap some sort of a goal behind it. Um, so what I, <clears throat> that sort of two lessons I learned uh, or re realizations I had traveling was the world is pretty much very similar no matter where you go. There are some fundamental differences, certainly, but generally, uh, people are generally very much the same, whether you're in you know, you're in Pakistan or you're in Fiji or you're in Chile. Generally, people are very much uh, the same. Uh, they may eat different foods, they may have different clothing and culture, but generally, people are nice. And um, I never encountered any, anything that happened that was bad. And so my experience was that people are good and, um, and generally people want the same things no matter where you are in the world. So that was one realization. And the second realization I had traveling was um, that the world is pretty big, but because everyone's pretty much the same, it is kind of makes it very small. And so now, um, now that I'm doing a business that's a global business, it helps me sort of from perspective wise uh, in terms of the fact that the world is big, but once you travel the world, it actually becomes really, really small uh, in that sense, which is, I, for, for me, it helps me with my thinking that the world is actually relatively small. And, and so today, let's get, so today you, so you are an investor, you run a, a, a VC, mm -hmm. right? How did you get here? Yeah, so it is, it is an interesting um, journey to becoming a venture investor because that was, that was not my, you know, I would have never imagined uh, when I was you know, 18 or 17 years old that that's the uh, environment that I would be in. Uh, it sort of happened organically. Mm -hmm. I was always very interested in investments and finance generally, uh, even when I was very younger. And so as time passed, um, I became interested in how companies are built, what companies are built, why companies are built, and who builds them and why they build them. So I became generally interested in <clears throat> sort of gener generally that, that um, thought process. And so I think being an investor really helps you fulfill that curiosity because mm -hmm. that's exactly the questions you're always asking. Um, so that, that's sort of one, one aspect. The, the second aspect is I was always very interested in how the whole world works and mm -hmm. hence traveling around the world. And um, now as an investor, uh, we're investing all around the world. Mm -hmm. So we're investing in Africa and South America in India and in, you know, in Asia. Um, and so it helps me understand how things are working just from a geopolitical perspective, yeah. from a um, cultural perspective mm -hmm. in different parts of the world. So I think a lot of it is just sort of curiosity that has translated into what I'm doing now. Uh, and that sort of helps me sort of keep the curiosity yeah. alive, I suppose. Wow. Okay. So you, you see, I mean, where you are, you see a lot of different businesses, different mm -hmm. geographies. Can you give us some context about what is happening today, let's say, in the startup world? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's, um, it's actually a very fascinating time to be alive, I feel, because there are some really fundamental um, shifts and changes that are happening today that may not have been happening 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I'm, uh, I'm speaking of this from a perspective of like early stage companies mm -hmm. and, and people building you know, new companies as opposed to sort of, uh, sort of the corporate environment. And what I am observing globally is that more and more people are building companies, more than ever before. And this is a big shift, I, I feel, because thinking our parents' generation, maybe company building was very much um, maybe focused on very traditional things that we knew, like restaurants and, and sort of traditional businesses. Uh, but I, I feel like in our generation now, there's just a lot more risk-taking happening a lot more people starting new ideas, new companies all around the world. Uh, so that's a huge fundamental shift that I think is a very interesting, it has a lot of implications to the future of the world. Yeah, like what? That's a very interesting. What do you think are the implications uh, into the world about, of that shift? Yeah, I, I think the implications are very powerful because a lot of the challenges and problems that we have in the world uh, yeah. pe people will, as people build more companies to try to solve those problems, we're going to have a lot more solutions to problems in the future. Um, whether it's in food, or whether it's in the environment, whether it's in uh, politics or government, I think there's just a lot of challenges that we have. And the more people enter the market to solve problems by building a business, it's generally the best way to solve problems. And so I think the implications are our children are going to have a lot more tools and solutions for the problems that we have today, which we may not have today. Wow. <laughs> <Love that. laughs> it's great. It's, I, I think it's a fantastic time it, to be alive. It is. It yeah. is. And, and, and what have you observed? Like, okay, now there's, two, there's a lot of people mm -hmm. um, I mean, trying to solve problems. Mm -hmm. What do you see normally? What are the biggest challenges that entrepreneurs are facing in this new world today? Yeah, yeah I, I think the challenges are uh, building a business is difficult regardless of whether you, you, you know, you're in 2022 or whether you're in 1980. I think generally the challenges are similar because it, it has to do with risk and, and you know, uh, conviction and, and the will to do something different. So I think those challenges are maybe not changing that much, the fundamental challenges. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the new challenges that are happening in our, like today, <clears throat> is that because everyone's super connected, yeah. everyone knows what everyone else is doing, <clears throat> everyone knows of the ideas being developed all around the world, <clears throat> I feel it's a lot harder today to come out with new original ideas. Mm. Um, I feel as we observe all the companies being developed around the world, that a lot of them fall into various different shades of gray, where it's incremental improvements in sort of things that we already have or similar things that are being developed around the world, that the idea of originality is actually very difficult because everyone's very much aware of what's happening. And so I think that's maybe a curse and a boon mm -hmm. at the same time. Um, but to see truly innovative new ideas being developed is generally uh, just more difficult. And so as an investor, we're always looking for the new ideas. 
right? The new innovations, the, the, the uniquely new things. And generally, I would say that's like 1% of what we see. So uh, that's a challenge, I suppose, mm -hmm. but that's also a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, so now when you are evaluating a, um, a company, mm -hmm. so tell us a bit like what your thought process to evaluate if it's, if the company is going to succeed and it's a good investment. Yeah, so Draper Startup House Ventures, which is the fund that we run, uh, our mandate is we invest very early. So we're generally the first check into a company. Um, so it's very hard for us to, um, evaluate it's it's a lot it's the cycle is very long yeah. it's it's at least seven to ten years until you see some sort of uh, uh you know financial return and so the cycle is very long so we have to have very long-term thinking uh and generally where we have found success is in outliers uh in companies and people who are sort of not in the mainstream but are really doing things uh as outliers because if uh, Maybe if I step back a little bit, there's a lot more people building companies, which also means there's a lot more people investing in companies. Yeah. So today, there's a lot more angel investors in the world. There's a lot of more micro VCs around the world. There's just a lot more people investing uh, in ideas all around the world. So the competition is also with other investors. And so generally, you would see that a lot of the capital goes into you know, the 90% of things that people understand uh, are, are sort of mainstream. Uh, so it's very hard to compete with that because if everyone's investing in the same thing, the returns are gonna be lower. Mm -hmm. So generally we look for outliers and things that are sort of misunderstood and probably the chances of failure are very high. Yeah. But if it works, then, then potentially the returns will be much higher. So we look for outliers, we look for, the first question we usually ask is, is this really a new idea? Yeah. Um, is this, well understood or misunderstood. Um, so generally that's from the, from the industry perspective is one of the things we look at. Mm. Wow, that's, that's very, very interesting. So now let's, so uh, in the podcast, we always talk about people in, mm. in terms of teams. So when you look at, um, at a startup, mm -hmm. like uh, what do you evaluate in terms of people? How do you know from a people point of view that they're gonna succeed? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the, the people aspect is probably the most important aspect of uh, our thesis mm -hmm. as we're investing, because we're investing so early. Ultimately, you could have a great business plan, you could have a great idea, but it's the execution, it's, it's the people who are executing the idea. So understanding the people, I would say, is the majority of our uh, effort and time. And it's a very hard thing to do because people are very difficult to understand generally. And so um, like, we try to understand like, their true motivation. Like, yeah. Why are they doing this? Uh, and a lot of times you'll see that once you get to the bottom of the motivation, a lot of motivation is generally superficial. And so if the motivation is superficial, the chances of that not working out is very high because when times get tough, yeah. uh, you know, people give up. And so I think understanding the true nature of motivation of why someone is building this uh, is an important component. And, and I think that's a very deep, um, it, can get, it can get very deep because understanding true motivation, then you have to understand the person, like why are they doing it? 
you know, what is their background, what is the reason why they're doing this, mm -hmm. right? So that takes you back to, to a lot of the history about the people. Uh, and then also, the, the most difficult thing to uh, try to understand is people's will. Like, how strong is their will to make this happen? Uh, and generally, to, to see that, it, only time can tell because mm -hmm. the chances of things being very difficult is like 100%. And so, how do, how do people behave when things get very tough? Uh, you have to have very strong will. So motivation, will, is a, a fundamentally human emotion and a human element, uh, which is something that we try to sort of observe and understand. And, and how do, like, what have you observed in terms of these startups, some good practice, what like the good startups are doing in terms of team management? Mm -hmm. Do you have any example or can you share with us what has been working uh, in terms of team management? Yeah. I, you're, you're an expert in, you know, in high performance teams and, and, and that. So I, I think generally there's, I see two buckets of things that um, are happening today. So the general management practices that we can read books on, right, these are well understood things that you can learn in school, you can watch lots of podcasts and you can, you can sort of read management practices to help with high performance teams, right? And you talk to people about that all the time. The second bucket, so this bucket is very important, yeah. certainly. But the second bucket that I think is maybe not so talked about and is something that I am very interested in is how do teams find meaning in what they're doing? And I think the idea of high performance generally has to break down to your identification with whatever it is that you're trying to do and how strong is your identity with whatever it is that you're trying to solve or build. Uh, and I think that fundamentally comes down to meaning. Like, do you find strong meaning in what you're doing? And uh, that's just a very philosophical mm -hmm. and, and uh, deep topic. Uh, but that is something that I'm observing today in the startup communities around the world. I think generally people are looking for meaning, especially the younger generation. Uh, you know, I, I'm seeing a huge uh, shift in people leaving well-paying, great comp big companies to start their own companies. And I think they're doing this because everyone's sort of seeking for an identity and a meaning to what they're doing. And I think teams, I've observed that teams who can actually identify the meaning mm -hmm. and rally people around that meaning have a natural proclivity to like do well yeah. because it comes naturally. It's not a top-down you know, framework it just sort of comes naturally because people identify so strongly with it that their, their performance comes out automatically without having to sort of artificially lay out some sort of a framework on top of the teams. Uh, it sort of organically comes out. So in short, I think I'm always trying to identify, and this relates to the motivation, like what is your motivation to do this and how strong is your will and meaning to embark on this journey. Because if you can get that right, then I think performance will sort of naturally happen as a consequence of that. Wow. So, so for you, uh, like maybe this is the, the same, uh, another perspective of, mm -hmm. so what is a high performance team for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think high performance team teams, uh, generally um, as an investor, yeah. I think certainly would be a very simple proposition, which is 
building a company that can be uh, a useful company, yeah. that is a sustainable company, that has a good business model, that creates impact in the world, and then certainly provides returns for the capital that's invested in it. So I don't think the, the uh, I mean, I think it's a very simple outcome, which is, is this a, is this a meaningful company that's going to be solving real problems in the world? Um, and, and uh, you know, we can see whether or not it's working or not. Um, generally, the failure rate uh, for early stage venture investments, it's 80 to 90% is the failure rate. So generally when you see the 5-10% emerge, um, you know, it becomes clear that this can potentially work. So what have you observed in, this, in the startup world? Are they having more issues on attracting people mm -hmm. or retaining people? What is happening? Yeah, so I think because a lot of people are starting companies, there's a lot of talent uh, that is leaving large organizations to go into smaller organizations. And, you know, I mean, you're an example of this, Sergio. You used to work for a big company, now you have your own little venture. So there's a lot of talent that's, that's leaving large organizations to go to smaller organizations because they're all looking for meaning. And it's becoming a lot easier to start companies. So you're seeing a lot of people starting companies, which just means there's a lot more competition for talent. Yeah. Uh, and there's a competition for talent across all industries, large or small. So big companies, because there's a lot of talent leaving big companies, mm -hmm. they're having to fight for talent. And then small companies are also, because there's a lot more yeah. companies being built. Uh, so I think the, the fight for talent is um, a key problem that everyone's facing. But I think that's also a great opportunity because there are companies who are starting to say, well, we need to build more talent. Yeah. And so a lot of different ways of developing talent uh, are emerging, which is, which is a great opportunity. Um, you know, we've invested in companies that are developing the talent pool. When we are evaluating companies, the, the, the idea of meaning like, mm -hmm. is how, how, how much does the team believe in what they're doing yeah. is a very central question. Because if the team doesn't really believe in what they're doing, um, uh, keeping the talent is going to be a bit difficult. So this is why I think very earlier on, like how motivated are they yeah. to solve this problem? How much meaning do they find in this is sort of key because I think once, if, if that's a very strong foundation, then, then keeping the talent and attracting talent is going to be a lot easier. So, uh, I mean, we, we, we see, we, what we observe is, what, if there's a startup that goes out and raises a lot of capital to solve something, let's just call it like quick commerce as an example. Not, there's nothing wrong with quick commerce, it's a great mm -hmm. industry to be in. Uh, but because they've raised so much capital, it's going to attract great talent mm -hmm. from, you know, from big corporations to come and join them. But then you'll see that because there's not a lot of meaning mm -hmm. uh, and belief in what they're doing and, and a lot of motivation, uh, generally there's a lot of churn. Yeah. Uh, in that in that space, so the churn generally happens. I find in companies where there's not a lot of meaning mm -hmm. in the sort of the core team in believing that what they're doing is worth doing, regardless of the ups and downs. Oh, 
So, so what if we look at the future mm -hmm. now? Maybe you you see and you see you observe a lot of trends. Like, can you tell us what are you going to see in terms for for the next few years? What are the main trends that you you are observing? So, on our fund, uh, our team, we have a few uh, things that we have identified are going to be. Um, world changing in say the next 10 years. And I think this starts with um, industry uh, disruption uh, as well as people disruption. So I think in the industry disruption, um, just for some context, you know, the, the computers that we have, the laptops and the desktops, these are generally only around 30, 40 years old. Right, the first sort of laptop, uh, the desktop was put into the market in the, mainstream, like in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So it's only been 40 years since we've actually had mainstream computers. That's not a very long time. Uh, and then in terms of our mobile devices, it's only been around 13, 14 years until, you know, since the smartphones became mainstream. So that's not a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you look at how many people have access to the internet and are, are using the internet today, only about 60% of the world's population is on the internet. So around 5 billion people are connected. 2 or 3 billion people out in the world are not connected. But they're going to get connected over the next 10 years, right? So, so there's that context of we're still very early, even in the industry that we are mm -hmm. in today, which is we are very connected, but 2 or 3 billion people are going to come online. So that's going to have a huge implication in terms of development of just the traditional industries that we understand. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there's going to be big changes in this because now there's new industries emerging. Uh, and so this is sort of like the early 80s of new industries. So some of the themes that we see, uh, there are going to be big themes in 10 years. I think the nature of money is going to change dramatically. That has huge implications for everything. Yeah. Um, I think the nature of food that we eat is going to change dramatically over the next 10 years. Yeah. That has huge implications for, for everything. Uh, I think, so, so in that uh, category of food, the way food is created, the amount of energy it, use, it uses, mm -hmm. the way agriculture is developed, that's going to change dramatically because it has to. Mm -hmm. um, the implications of it not changing is too big for the world, so that will naturally change. Uh, I, and I think the, um, the nature of governments is going to change over the next 10 years because we're talking about talent. Governments are going to become a lot more open, generally. People are going to move around a lot more. There's going to be a billion digital nomads in the next 10 years. And so there's going to be a fight for talent. I think governments are going to open up their borders for talent to come live and work in their countries. So there's going to be a fight for talent not only within companies but within governments. Uh, so I think these are major shifts that are happening and that are going to happen in the next 10 years, which means it's a great opportunity to develop businesses in these segments. Um, so I, I, though sciences, um, I, I think there's a lot of work being done in, you know, in the nature of aging um, and, you know, just generally uh, medicine in, in, uh, uh, in general. We've invested in some companies that are basically building technologies so that we don't have to use syringes anymore for you know, things like diabetes and, and fertility treatments mm -hmm. where you can orally ingest a lot of these uh, proteins. 
So I think all of these changes have a lot of implications. Yeah. Uh, a clearly environment, um, there's a lot of work being done in terms of trying to mm -hmm. fix the environment. And so, yeah, I think the next 10 years is going to, we're going to see a lot of innovation, a lot of people mm -hmm. uh, building things. And I think it's going to be a great place for investors to try to find these outliers who are going to make these new industries come to life. Oh. So, so you started. So you started by saying today there's you see a lot of people looking more for meaning. Mm -hmm. That is that is one. You see more people invest investing in in uh, in their own business, starting their own business. Uh, that also has an implication in terms of we are tackling more problems, which is the positive side. But on the same side, we're going to see a huge disruption mm -hmm. in many industries. Mm -hmm. So, what would be your tip for someone? that is, going, is now starting the business. Like maybe from the, the business point of view, what, do you, what is your tip? But also from the people point of view, yeah. what yeah. do you suggest? So one of the observations that we have made over the last five years in the people side of things is that, uh, and this is maybe even more, um, it's more relevant to like entrepreneurs and startups that we observe. The observation has been that people are becoming a lot more spiritual. And I think this is regardless of religion. So this is not a religious comment. Uh, regardless of whatever religion people are in, people are becoming incorporating a lot more health and wellness mm -hmm. and spirituality into their life, whether it's through meditation or, or what they eat or just more general awareness of being more positive. So there's a huge sort of shift happening in people incorporating um, as some component of spirituality in their lives. And I think that is a huge implications for how people behave and, and sort of their thinking that changes alongside with that. And it's an interesting observation. I don't have data points to this, but we see that people are just generally in our communities around the world, you know, a lot more people are becoming vegetarians, a lot more people are becoming much more health conscious. And, and so I think that's just going to evolve. Uh, and so I think that's going to change the way people think about what they do, how they do it, and why they do it. Um, so we'll see how that trend holds up. But I think that it is a much larger trend, and um, it has a much higher implication than we think, mm -hmm. because that essentially changes the way people and yeah. teams interact with each other. Uh, so that's one observation. And then secondly, to your question on like what um, what I think people should focus on to build high-performance teams yeah. within, within startups. I think ultimately it's coming down to trying to figure out how to find meaning in what you're doing yeah. and how to rally the troops or the people mm -hmm. to fight for that meaning. Because whether it's products or services that come around that, that can always change. Uh, you know, that will always, always change and you would always have to innovate around that. But I think the core essence of why you're doing something and, and your identity and meaning to that uh, central, I think that is a central uh, piece of, I, I suppose, strategy um, that I think if you can do that, then um, things will, performance, high performance will sort of fall in place. And it doesn't have to be some esoteric world changing things. It could yeah. be, you know, I make rice bowls for a mm -hmm. living. Mm -hmm. and, and, but can you find the meaning to why yeah. you're building this plate you know, as a company, 
and people who are involved in it, do they find meaning in that? Mm. Uh, I, think, I think that is going to be a very central sort of um, uh, strategy to, to really develop high performance in teams. Mm. Good. So I think you, you gave us a really good picture about the future. There's going to be a lot of disruption. Mm -hmm. So f let's say the next 10 years, what do you think is one skill that entrepreneurs need to start developing, mm -hmm. that maybe some of them, they're not thinking yet about it, but they are going, it's going to help them to succeed in this future with so much disruption? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's the same answer that I, I, you know, I've been giving, which is, I think the skill to really identify the why mm -hmm. and the meaning behind what you're doing, mm -hmm. and then to rally the people around that meaning I think is going to be, that's a very difficult skill set to have because that basically means it's, it has to start with you. As, as the leader of the company, you have to figure out who you are, why you want to do something and find meaning, strong meaning to that. Uh, and I think that's a skill set that is uh, uh, larger than life because it is not a management tool that you yeah. can learn. It is really a, a whole life uh, you have to figure out your life, <laughs> essentially. Um, but I think that is fundamental. Everything else around that is just a management tool that can be developed. But I think finding core meaning mm -hmm. in why you want to do something mm -hmm. and why people should join you to do that, mm -hmm. uh, I think is a skill set that is going to be uh, in a very competitive world in mm -hmm. 10 years from now, is going to be the central uh, tool that you would need yeah. to find talent, retain talent, mm -hmm. uh, and to have high performance. Mm. Wow, I, think I could spend much more time here with you. I love the conversation. Mm -hmm. I think you had so much value. I learned so much about what's happening today, the context. You gave us a good context in terms of what's happening, mm -hmm. the trends. But also, I think your big message is about focusing on the why on the mm -hmm. meaning, you know, and then bring people together with you mm -hmm. around that why. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, your main message. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, keep going with the, doing such an amazing job in terms of like supporting all these entrepreneurs who are changing the world. Yeah. So awesome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs>